0: Welcome into episode 46 of the Level Flight Podcast. My name is Connor. Today I'm going to be joined by Elliot as well. And later on in the program, Jacob Stoller of the Hockey News is going to join me as well. Jacob is going to be helping me tee up training camp, which starts today. A bit of a longer episode today, but we did want to get you guys a ton of season preview content for the next week. Driving to training camp, going to FanFest, whatever the case may be. We wanted to provide as much content as we could to preview the season quick programming note is we will be without Brian for the next three episodes as he takes time to move into his new place. We're super excited for Brian. And in the meantime, you can expect more guests on the podcast such as today. Rick Bonus and Kevin Cheveldef did speak to the media today at the Hockey for All Center. And the main news that came out of that was that Cole Perfetti will be the team's second line center to start training camp. Gabriel Velarde will be the team's top right winger alongside Cal Connor and Mark Shifley. And outside of that, training camp starts today. So we're pumped. And thank you for listening and enjoy episode 46.
1: This is Danny Julkin, and you're listening to the Level Flight Podcast.
0: Welcome into episode 46 of the Level Flight Podcast. I've got Elliot back with me, and we are ready to talk not about training camp, because we did that last yeah. week. Uh, yeah. We were ready. Training camp starts tomorrow. When you're hearing this, it starts today uh, at the Hockey for All Center. But we previewed it last week. We gave our thoughts. So go check that out. It was a great episode. It was just Brian and I, but maybe we'll do some rapid fire with Elliot today just to get yeah. his, his, his blanket thoughts. Um, but. There are other things to talk about, um, and we're going We're going to preview the season. We're going to do some fun predictions, some award predictions. My uh, favorite time s- of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's prediction time. And then later in the program, we're going to have Jacob Stoller of the Hockey News come on. Jacob has come on in the past. He's great. I can't wait to do that interview with him. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. But for the time being, it's just Elliot and I. So let's let's let's, let's ride. Um, the Jets, the how do I even bring this up? The the media members, Scott Billick, Murata Tesh, a few others, brought up the fact that the Jets are releasing a special jersey at eleven forty five AM for Fanfest. Oh, I- yeah. What what are your initial thoughts on that? Because I I got really nothing. This has been a weird... Like,
2: I'm all for new jerseys and looking at redesigns and doing that. And I think it's been long enough. The Jets have... most. Some teams only do it every, like, five or six years. Like, the Jets have been back since 2011, and we're going on 2023-2024. Like, we're past season 10. Like, so for me, in the modern era, probably should do a little bit of a redesign. Jets are kind of going old school and trying to keep their logo. But I realistically think this new jersey, there's just... There there was speculation it was just one jersey and then the Jets came. Well, somebody else from media said that the Jets were coming out with their this season jersey plus an extra one. So we have no idea what to expect at FanFest. But all I'm going to say is they've been teasing the Heritage jerseys all summer every time that they posted something. But I'm going to tell you right now, the guys and I were talking about it and the only way that anything changes is if – they go heritage jerseys with current logo because the Jets soon after that news, like it might have been actually sometime last night, the Jets mm-hmm. tweeted out a video about them putting on the logo, and that obviously would have been a dead giveaway if it was the heritage logo, because then you kind of go, oh, okay, well, like then they're go rolling heritage this year because they some yeah. was it Carter Brooks that tweeted out the uh, locker room photo with yes, the with yeah with the see and that and that's where everything gets weird because. You look at that photo, and that photo got posted earlier in the day, about midday, maybe one o'clock, one thirty. Right, and there was no logo on the carpet, and you could see on the name bars it was the same old logo, but they had the heritage stuff hung up. Well, then they post the video in the evening, and it's the logo, the two, the Jets two logo. So, right. what 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 do you do? Like, what, when you're trying to speculate something like this, it's I personally just think that them using the heritage stuff is some sort of media-like thing to try to get drum up about it. They're just trying to get people to talk. And plus, I know the guys yeah. The guys seem to like to wear the heritage stuff, so I'm sure it's probably just something. We'll see tomorrow at training camp. If they all come out in heritage stuff, then maybe that's another tell. But maybe we'll, ha- we'll have to see on Saturday because I have no idea what they're going to do. And realistically, yes, I love jerseys, but it doesn't really matter that much. Like... Yeah, if they if they go heritage colors, throw the two logo on there, and that's that. Like, cool. Yeah. But th- there's really not much else you can do, essentially. So yeah, I, I mean, it is what
0: it is. Yeah the the main jerseys, I'm interested to see where that whole thing came from because all the reasons you said point to it not being the heritage, uh, and I don't really know what else they could do. But this is Scott Billick's tweet about you know how there's going to be brown gloves on this special jersey. Oh yeah, that too. uh the the throwback hockey gloves it'll have a cream color to it. I just I don't really know where this is going and I'm I'm really intrigued because mm-hmm. brown hockey gloves sounds great. Like this sounds like it could be a, a an amazing throwback uh like classic jersey yeah. that they bring to the modern era and that would be really cool but hmm I, I really, I've never been as lost on a topic as I am this one. I just, I yeah. don't know where this is going whatsoever.
2: And, and there's also been some rumblings, like Billick says about the RCAF stuff. People have been posting about, like, you know, the whole oh, the da, da, da here's the jersey that the Moose wore and whatever, and they're going to do something similar to this. I mean, cool, if that's what the special jersey is, that's cool. But, like, realistically, at the end of the day, the Jets have release so many different jerseys and they'll probably wear them all again this year. They did that last yeah. year. Like, yeah, so it's not, I know some, I've seen some people that are worried that certain jerseys are going to get taken away or they're not going to wear specific ones, but they, they could have done that because they've got the, they've got the old light blue ones and then they've got the retro's right. and then they've got the hair, Heri- all the heritage jerseys. Mm-hmm. And it's just, they, they, they know, I hate to say this because we talked about this already a while back. It's a money ploy. That's the whole reason why they keep bringing back all the jerseys.
3: It's for
2: them so that more people will buy them. So, well, now you got to get an Adam Lowry captain jersey. So, there you go. Yeah.
0: I actually heard that there is a lot of people going into places going getting getting the C stitched on, which is cool. I mean, you, you yeah, want that if you have an Adam Lowry jersey, so
2: well, well, and 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 that's the other thing. Why unless this brand here? Here's my here's my major take. I will always be someone to go to a store and get something stitched onto a jersey that I've already bought, rather than go buy a brand new one. The only exception would be if this brand new jersey for this season. Has some cool patch on it, or there's some right special specific thing. Like, people will clown me, he just retired. I have an Adam Lowry 2010 11
0: captain jersey. Andrew Ladd, you mean? Sorry, I was I like, he, you're like, he just retired. Adam Lowry, i like, <laughs> what? Did I miss something? Yeah, no, sorry, okay, Andrew Ladd, Andrew I'm. Ladd.
2: <laughs> We're we're a little under the weather over here. Um, the brain's still trying to function. Um, yeah, yeah, Andrew Ladd jersey, and that has the inaugural season patch, right? Like I paid extra for that. Like obviously I'm going to do that unless this brand new jersey has this cool patch on it, or the C is a different shape than what they normally have, or like that's the only reason why I would ever buy a brand new one. I commend all the people going and buying an Adam Lowry jersey for right. this year, and just buy it, like already has the jersey and just buying the C. Because you can go buy that, you can get whoever to stitch that. They can go to any sports jersey store and get that stitched on. So,
0: yeah, yeah, it's the right thing to do, especially if you already have a Lowry jersey. It's a Don't nice need to addition. pay another three hundred dollars. Exactly, exactly. Um, enough with the jersey talk. I, I'm so lost on that, but we can move on. Um, the Young Stars tournament wrapped up. The Jets went one and two. Uh, just quick initial thoughts. I thought Nikita Chipperkov was like the best forward of all of them, all of the first round picks, whatever. I think he was the best forward. Elias Salimonsen looked great. I mean, we've talked with Scott Wheeler a few weeks ago, and he talked about how good his year one was after being drafted. Uh, I thought he carried that up or carried that into training camp. And then the goaltending. I mean, Dominic DiVincentes and Thomas Millich were – Under siege at times, and they were fine. They handled it great. They like the the second game, the Jets played the Canucks. And Mm -hmm. Jamie Thomas, um, was saying yesterday that I think this was on Winnipeg Sports Talk. He was saying how the Canucks sent basically their Abbotsford team, like they sent a bunch of AHL guys. Um, it was like a men versus boys situation. And despite that, in the first period, despite getting outshot. Like, by crazy amount, Thomas Milich kept the Jets in the game. So the goaltending is definitely something to be excited about. But quick rapid-fire takeaways, I I like Chibrikov, Salomonson, and the goaltending.
2: Somebody tweeted it out at some point. There's a bunch of guys, like, and I'm not trying to say they weren't working hard, but you can kind of tell that guys like Barlow and some of the other guys, like, I don't want to put too many names out there, but one of the names that did come up was Barlow in the tweet about well, training camps a week away, the actual Jets training camp, their season is right around the corner. A lot of the guys weren't trying to play super hard, not because to get they hurt either. yeah, they're and not trying the to get hurt, yeah. So, because this is just a fun tournament, so as much as right. I know people love to take away, it's like, oh, here's all the prospects playing together, and dah, 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 dah. you can't take too much because one guy's not going to be playing it they're going to be playing hard they're going to play hard but they're not playing full tilt risking injury right so you can't you can't take too much away from it um i i thought the goaltending was great here here may be or may not be a hot take after the last two jets draft picks of goaltenders Mm -hmm. i may say that they have and and you can say them wrong, and I know it's just the youngsters' tournament, but both of them had really good years in their leagues last year, and we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes. Milic has to play this year in the AHL. Do right. the Jets? Turn, bro. Yeah, yeah. Do the Jets have the best? And I'm not saying best goaltender prospect. Do they have the best goaltender prospect pool? What other team has two goalies uh... that have looked that good it against their own age group? And in the in the tournament, we'll see how it goes this year. But as I
0: feel like I feel, feel like, like there's definitely team that, a team like the Wild, who have like Jesper walstead who's a first round pick that too, probably yeah. the best goalie prospect in the world. And then there's someone else. I have a feeling like they just always and, and maybe have, there is, maybe, maybe, there, maybe is. there is, yeah.
2: But when you look at like. Devin I think, was originally projected to be like a backup and Milich, I think, was maybe like a fringe starter. But if my my take is, is overall, like, yes, you've got guys like Yaroslav Askarov, you've got guys guys like Jesper Walstead. But the question is, is those guys are top tier. Who's behind them? Right. That's where I think the Jets may have depth right? Yeah. Like Devin may end up being a starting cal, a good starting caliber goaltender. Maybe not a Connor Hellebuck, Vesna caliber, but in today's NHL with so much scoring, yes, having an elite goaltender is good, but you just need a guy who's going to make a couple saves a night that mm-hmm. win you some games. You don't, With all the scoring and the point totals and with so many guys with skill, you're going to get beat. Like, there's just going to be some games where you just can't stop guys because they're picking their spots or they're making great plays, right? So, if the Jets have two prospects in the goaltending category that at least have starting projection, like, even maybe a little bit better... I think that's, I think that's really good. Like that is considering a couple years ago when we were kind of going, well, if this team gets older and Connor, there's nobody behind Connor, how, like it was Mikhail Burden and like, I guess you could say even last year was at the start of the year, the goaltending prospects were Mikhail Burden and Oscari Salmanen.
0: Yeah, but then Burden left, so it was Arvid Holm and right. a scary Salminen, yeah. and, and
2: and that's what I'm saying. Then it turns to that, yeah. and you kind of go, well, if either A. Connor Hellebuck goes down or B. He leaves, who's your quote unquote future goaltender?
0: Right, right. And so- these the, these two guys are probably still two, three years away, but the progress is there. They both, like you said, Devin won OHL goalie of the year, Milic won WHL goalie of the year. You can't ask for much more than that out of your two goalie prospects as being the best goalie in the leagues they're playing. Millich
2: in. won a WHL championship. They went to Memorial cup weekend. I believe if I'm not mistaken, um, North Bay was, I believe either one or two games away from either the championship, like the, even uh, winning the championship. I think they, were they in the third like round. The third ra- third That's round what I was going to say. Something. I, th- yeah. I think yeah. they were like one or two games away. Like you, you can't, when when you, I I get that yeah. it's OHL and they're playing against guys between the ages of like sixteen and twenty, but th- <laughs> yeah. it's not like these leagues are slouches, right? Like it's not no. like they're playing Junior B and the Jets draft them and it's like, yeah, they're putting up nine fifty save percentages and below two or like below one fifty goals against. And you go well, look at the comp, right? Like these guys are putting up elite numbers against guys their age, and they've now looked good against other top players in their age group because we saw them at
0: at um at rookie camp and they, and they mm-hmm. both looked great as well right so yeah and millich you know on the national stage world juniors he won the gold for that, canada that played too. great divan probably going to be the starter for canada this year coming up so you might have two goalies who are gold medal winners at the world juniors goalies of the year in both of their leagues um and yeah, it's the progress is definitely there and it's going to be fun to track the next couple of years.
2: I feel much better now if either a Connor Helbig is to leave or I feel also better just about the future of the goaltending because I know not every prospect hits, but you have to hope that one of these guys hits, even if they're just very solid starters. You sign them after their rookie deal to like a five-year deal and then a two-year extension or whatever the case is, and you get like a seven-year run of solid goaltending. The Jets before Connor Hellebuck didn't like. I mean, you can say Andre Pavlik was, uh, and then you go through all the other right.
0: Hey, I so, think Pavlik was good. He he We're, was. Good. We don't have to get into that. But I, either I way,
2: I, I'm I'm straying a little <laughs> bit away. But just I feel really good about the future of the goaltending position.
0: Yeah, and I I think that might change the way that the Jets view it too. Like the Jets might be more willing to move off of Connor Hellebuck if now that, now that these goalies have shown that they're, I mean, they already have done what we're saying. Like the young absolutely Stars does, the young Stars tournament doesn't change this. Uh, but, Knowing that these goaltenders are excelling in their leagues and might be goal- your goalies of the future, it might be easier to move off of Hellebuck. Now they're still three, four years away. It's hard to project. There's yeah. a lot of caveats to that, but goalies are hard to project. Very, very. Um, well, let's uh, let's get into some some season predictions. I mean, we did this. La- we did we didn't have the you know, preseason last year when we Mm -hmm. were doing this podcast, we started in the middle of the year. We did some mid season awards. Um, But now this year we can do predictions mid season and then reflect on it all at the end of the year. Um, So let's, let's start with just a simple where the jets are going to finish in the standings. I see a lot of people starting to post their standing predictions to Twitter. It's that time of the year uh, predicting which teams are in, which teams are out. So where do you think the Jets end the year, uh, in the Central Division and the Western Conference? Yeah, I think they either get the last of it. Like I, when I say I, they're gonna
2: get the last division spot, I think I mean they're the last to clinch a division spot, or they're the last to clinch a wild card spot. Like I think it comes down to Game seventy nine, and it's okay. Well, if you want to make the playoffs, you gotta beat this team. and You gotta hope so and so loses, and the Jets like win the game, like I think their last their second, like even this, it's game eighty one and they gotta play Seattle. And it's like, okay, well, you gotta beat Seattle and you gotta hope that so and so in the Pacific loses and the Jets right. win two one in overtime at home and they make it way too close and the other <laughs> game is like a blowout or something where it's like, hey, you've been given this opportunity to just like all you the the, the other team that you were gonna be fighting for a playoff spot got rolled all you have to do is let's yeah. say secure two points and they as the jets always do they make it way closer than it needs to be <laughs> and they somebody becomes the hero and yay they made the playoffs i think we got too trigger happy last year About, i mean and granted the team looked so good towards the middle of the year last year we were very um we were very Adamant about them being the top team in the central and this and that, and obviously they completely fell off again. Um, I'm gonna temper my expectations once again and still, I'm gonna stick with where I thought they'd be last year third or fourth in the division. I think they sneak into the playoffs. I think they're a fringe playoff team,
0: yeah. I mean, I do agree with you on the fringe playoff team at the end of the year. Uh, last year when they were you know first in the West, um, they were like going on the road and beating teams. They Colorado came into their building and they stomped them like five one. I I definitely stand by those takes from December last year when the Jets were flying at first in the West and they just like blew out four straight teams on a home stand. It was like my eyes were telling me that is the best team in the yep. West at this time. And then we know what happened. They they fell off a cliff. But the thing is, there when they fell off a cliff that that two month stretch it was a like an unbelievably uncharacteristic pdo slump so they their shooting percentage their save percentage their expected goals like they were generating the same amount that they were when they were the best Mm -hmm. team in the west Mm -hmm. they just weren't finishing them and it was really really weird because it seemed like the effort just wasn't there uh and all that stuff but and and maybe it was you know maybe maybe the effort wasn't there we we probably said that in that stretch but mm-hmm. if you look at the the analytics and just don't even watch the game you just look at a a, a mathematical equation no. they were generating the same amount giving up the same amount down the stretch uh and then at the end of the year the reason i think two or maybe all three of us picked them to beat vegas in the first round was because the the last 10 games they went back to that that best team in the west and mm-hmm. then we saw and they were killing teams on that on their homestand so i i don't know what happened in those two months uh that's like one of the craziest shooting slumps i've ever seen from a team and i don't know maybe that'll happen again this year because maybe they're lacking some shooting talent but nino and velarde will definitely help that I think Colorado and Dallas are locked one and two in the Central. Yeah. The teams are absolutely loaded, and then for the three spot, it's between the Jets and the Wilds, and then whichever team is is not is I, I think is a wild card team. So the yeah. Jets might be a wild card team. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with everything you said on the 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 fringe playoff team. Uh, I I don't know. I don't think I want to jump
2: to conclusions to yes, I know they looked like the best team in the west and I will still stand by that take. It's just I don't know if I want to do that again this year if they're in the same position. Right. Because Yeah, no, that's
0: that's fair. It, This is the
2: exact this is essentially the exact same team minus Pierre-Luc Dubois and add Gabe Volarty and Iafalo. Like this is the exact same team. So yeah. unless Volarty and Iafalo combine for more points or the whatever you want to say if you want to do the whole money ball thing we're replacing one guy <laughs> and bringing in so was like was yeah. part yeah we're losing one but we're bringing in three to add up like if we want to do that whole thing
0: but at you gotta the replace end the- jason giambi <laughs> in the in the afterlife or whatever yeah but, whatever he says yeah he gets on base what's the what's the nhl equivalent of he gets on base I don't know. even know. We'd have to think about that.
2: Maybe, maybe we can come back next episode and say what that, uh, what yeah, that reference is. But yeah, well, I mean, if it's the Jets, it's, um, I don't even know. I was trying to make a, <laughs> I was trying to make a joke in terms of things that they're all worried about in the same organization, but it doesn't really work. Anywho, um, yeah, I, I just think that this team is a last division spot, fringe playoff team. Like well, you the you up... Central is weak, so they should be a playoff mm-hmm. team, but I can also yeah. see them trying to figure things out early on and they struggle early and we're like 6th or 7th in the West and we're chasing the rest of the year, right? Like I actually think having a good start with this roster is the most important thing. Like being in and yeah. around the playoff race to begin with before anything is like, okay, now we're chasing playoff – like. Needs to be that they are starting off good, and I. This beginning of the schedule is not like the first couple games aren't the easiest either. Right, like Florida is your reigning runner-up. You've got LA coming to town in game three. Like, you 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 yeah. gotta pull away a, at least two two wins, I would think. Yeah, the first couple
0: and, games. So, we'll, you brought up. Velardi, I follow and Kapari, and I want to get into your expectations for those guys. We're definitely going to talk about the start of season later in the episode because I think that is like the first twenty five games of the season, I think are is like the season because we'll we'll get into it i I, I want to save my take for later, but um yeah. let's talk about Velarde, I follow and Kapari, um just some expectations for those guys. I'll go first with with Velarde. I think that last year, if you, he missed some time, he only played 63 games or something. If you take that, the amount that he scored over 82 games, he had something like 30 goals, 23 assists or 24 assists, something like that uh, over an 82 game pace. And that's, that's great. If the jets are getting that on their top line with great defensive metrics. So those are exactly what my expectations are for him this year it's 30 goals, 25 assists, strong defensive metrics on that top line. Um, I'm not expecting him to take another jump forward like he broke out last year if he continues that steep ascension and goes to like 40 goals then wow that's like insane and the Jets flee
2: Win the trade
0: outright like it's not even yeah. but if uh, re- reasonable expectation I think is 30 goals 25 assists um, just kind of doing what he did last year in a bigger role. Uh, maybe on the top power play. I don't know how that is all going to shake out. But, yeah, what are your expectations for Velarde? I think that if you are – if
2: he's in and around, like, 55, 60 point like, I think if he hits the 60-point mark, I think it's a good year. If he's in around 50 to 55, I think that's – and he plays good defensively. Like, that is right. – my my interpretation of him having a good season is all predicated on him continuing those defensive metrics that he had last year. If he puts up yeah. 55 points and he still and he's goes back to or goes to being not good defensively, then I kind of go. I don't think that's great because you had you had that. In, I know PLD didn't want to stay, but you had that in PLD. Like he was a right. lock for 60 points every year, right? Like he's right. a 55, 60 point guy. But if you get defensive metrics plus that similar point total, I th- I think you I think you win that. I think they the Jets win that trade, and I think that I feel better about. Fulardi's season. like He doesn't even have to put up 30 goals. If it's more assists than goals, if it's 25 and 35, I know that probably doesn't – I think that equals 60, but my quick math isn't great. But (laughs) either way, I think that if you have it so that he is in around the 50 to 55-point range, plays good defense, shows that he is good to be the defensive anchor on the line, I think – I think that the jets are just fine. And I think you're, you're happy with however the season ends for the jets. I think you're happy with Velarde season and hopefully yeah. he doesn't miss time either. Like right. it, that, that's the other caveat. If he's missed, if he misses time, but he's still on that 50 to 50, like 55 around Mark that he was last year, like on pace for that. Then I would mm-hmm. still say that's a successful season. Cause I, yeah. I, I hate being that guy of like, like you look at Nikolai Ehlers last year, people will say, well, he didn't have a great year. Cause he got injured well, no, when he was out there on the ice, he looked great. So you can't, right. like, I always go by if if somebody's on pace for something, and I know that's not indicative of what it would have been, but if he's on right. pace for that and he's playing well when he's healthy, then I think that is, that's perfectly, perfectly fine.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um Alex, I have follow. I actually don't think we have to talk about him because I was writing an article the other day and searched this up. But in the past five seasons, he's scored between 13 and 17 goals, between 33 and 43 points uh, every single year. So he's just been in that frame every single year for the past five years. He's a great penalty killer. He's going to be great defensively. There's no expectations for Alex Iafalo because that's what he is. That's what he's going to be every single year. Um, So we don't even really have to talk about him. He's going to be a great middle six addition to this team. I I, I think that was a
2: very – when I read – when we initially read the trade, I was very happy to see that the Jets brought him in because then at least you're bringing in a defensive forward that puts up points. Yeah, The Jets have too many defensive forwards that don't put up points. Mm-hmm. Like in a league where you need to be putting up points – like this isn't – the like two thousand late nineties, early two thousands, where we've got goaltending duos and the game. Lots of games end one nothing anymore. Like you, you need to you for for you to keep a spot in the NHL, you need to be able to put up points. You have to have mm-hmm. some sort of skill. So for him to put up around forty points, be a fifteen goal scorer, maybe even if he's on a good line this year with good chem with a couple other guys that can create, maybe he puts up twenty goals. I think if he gets to twenty goals, I think that's a gr- fantastic season. I think you yeah. just should be very proud of the pickup.
0: Yeah. And Rasmus Kapari. Um, again, I don't think we have to talk about him. If he, if he's able to win the fourth line role, I think that's a success. And he's able to just maintain that role throughout the course of the year, look good in it um, because he's, there's no room for him any higher in the line. Even if, even if a top six player goes down, it's not Rasmus Kapari who's coming up. It's, Alex I have followed from the third line. It's Vladislav Nemesikov from the third or fourth line. It's Chaz Lucius from the AHL. It's Brad Lambert from the AHL. It's not, I don't think it's Kapari. No. So there's there shouldn't really be any expectations for him because he might just be the fourth line center of the whole year. And that's that. But like so, what's the what's the ceiling? Like six goals, twelve assists, eighteen points. If he's the fourth line center of the whole year, like that's the absolute best case scenario, I think.
2: Well, I think if he gets closer to double digits, like like I think if he goes close to double digits, and, and you know that the fourth line gets time and bonus system, right? Like True. Bones like to roll his fourth line. This isn't a team where he doesn't True. roll a fourth line because he feels like it's weak. He'll True. roll a fourth line because he feels like that, that line is defensive. And th- I, I actually have to say, I think as much as this team is essentially the exact same team, this team has more depth, I would say. They've got oh, a year definitely. of guys. Yeah. So this team has got a year of growth. So for me, if Kupari can be a, we've heard that he's a big body. If he can be a penalty killer, if he can be a, if he wins his face off, if I hate saying that, but if he wins his face offs is a good penalty killer and he puts up around 20 points, I like 10 a goal, 10 goals, 10 assists or eight goals, 12 assists. I think you're really happy about, about that. And i mean if he if he goes off and is playing well because i i don't even know who that fourth line is going to be right like yeah. that could be baron and who else would that be namestikov potentially depending could on how yeah. are the lines like it could yeah. be Aya follow right and that's more of an offensive player right that'd be a very ultra pretty good defensive fourth line if you've got like
0: yeah baron i don't think the, i follow
2: slides down i, I, I don't, don't follow, think he slides but, to the four yeah. but i'm just saying right like If you have Kupari on the line with like Baron and somebody else on the right wing, I I think you're I think that line could be pretty decent. Like we saw we saw what guys like Adam Lowry and Morgan Baron were doing on the fourth line at times last year when Lowry got moved down. Like they they were generating chances, and we know Baron has Baron just needs to finish, right? So Kupari can get a bunch of assists from Baron just actually being able to find the back of the net this year too. Yeah, right.
0: That's true. Yeah.
2: You you never know. I, I I'm not trying to say that he's gonna put up. He's gonna have a fantastic year. and He's gonna put up 40 points, and they're gonna move him up the lineup. But if he has development, I I can't not see him. Maybe if he has a good year, being the third line center next year.
0: Maybe if, if yeah. He, I if mean... he
2: has a, if he has a good year. If he doesn't, I think as a prospect, you kind of know what you're getting from him. But if he has some sort of growth, because people have said that he still has some room to grow, yeah. I I think he's a bottom. He's a bottom six center. Or a bottom six forward, because he can play on both the left and right wing, depending on where he plays. But I think that that's kind of his ceiling. I don't think you're seeing what we thought when he was drafted being a potentially like a middle six forward. He's a bottom six forward. But if you can have a good bottom six forward on your team, I don't think you're complaining at all if you're the Jets.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that. I think bonus will use the fourth line more than he ever has. Because the be- the fourth line will be better than the Jets have had in the last five years. Um, enough of the fourth line talk. It's time to get to the stars. <laughs> Play the hits. Who's your team MVP, Elliot, for the 2023-24 season? So you could be really
2: generic and say, like, Josh Morrissey. Now, well, that's we my think- pay. <laughs> that's your pay? Okay. <laughs> you could be very generic and say it's like Mark Scheifele in his swan song here in Winnipeg, mm. and he has that huge, massive year. And da 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 da. You could also just be very generic and say Cal Connor, and I think Cal Connor has a bounce back year. Yeah. So I I, I don't mm. think it's it's between those three. It's between. Morris I think C- Hellebuck too.
0: If yeah, Hellebuck
2: is in yeah. yes.
0: Hellebuck but, as well, but, if he's staying the year, right? We, we don't know yeah. with Sheffley and Hellebuck if they're even going to last the whole year. But for the first half of the season or however many games these guys might play with the team, Hellebuck, if he, he could be the team MVP uh, through the first 40 games, playing amazing. And then some team yeah. trades for him and he goes on and wins the Stanley Cup. But who knows? Um <laughs> Um, But my pick is Josh Morrissey. Um, I think he's going to be the team MVP this year. He put up 76 points in 78 games last year. And I've said it before. He's a regression candidate, but that doesn't mean he's going to go back to like 30 points a season. Right. I think he regresses to 60. Yeah. He might dip down to 50 in that 50 to 65 range. uh, But a point per game, I don't think is something that he's going to repeat or is sustainable. His shooting percentage went up like 4% last year. It's usually at 6%. It was at like nine. So I think that's going to come down a little bit. Um, He's still going to get top power play minutes. He's still going to play 27 minutes a night, which is why I'm picking him to be the team MVP because he's going to get every opportunity to do so. We saw how talented he was last year. Yeah, He's still going to put up a boatload of points. I just don't know if it'll be a point per game. He Mm -hmm. absolutely has the talent to do it. I'm not, I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying sometimes hockey is just pure luck and shooting percentage is just regression to the mean up and down. And he might experience it the opposite way this year. And Mm -hmm. when that shot hits the post, it might go out instead of in like two or three times. And that knocks off three goals from his, his total at the end of the year. You know, it's, it's hockey's weird sometimes. So I just think it's, it's, He's, I'm picking him to be my team MVP. Like, I don't think he's going to have a bad year. He's going to be the best jet, I think. Yeah. But I think he dips down to the 60, 55 point range.
2: I am going to say that um, I'm going to agree with you and say that Morrissey is around the 60, 65 point range. Like, he's about 10, 15 points off of what he was last year. Mm-hmm. I am going to make a prediction if you're making points predictions, because I didn't say it with Cal Connor. If, Everything works out right. Let's say Shifley stays. And let's say Velarde works as more of a passer. Kyle Connor might be in for a 40, another 40 goal year. I, I I'm so. going I to say, I'm going to make a prediction right now and say it's 45. And you can come back to this if I'm 45. wrong, I'm wrong. Ooh. I'm going to make an exact prediction and say 45. And he's on, I know he probably won't lead the league in goals, but I will say that he will be on pace for much of the year to be in that conversation. And he will go back to Kyle Cotton. He had too many opportunities last year that just weird fluky things where a goalie would come cross crease and make a save. He'd hit a post. He'd miss an open net. Like there was just too much. And you know, at the professional level, how guys are when things don't go their way with luck, retrain harder. They work on those things and they make sure that those luck based things don't happen enough, don't happen as much because then they're worried about they're using their skill to make sure it happens, right? If you kind of get and, what I'm doing, they're saying, yeah, I no,
0: I, I, I understand. I mean, I, I agree with you. This is, this is the, the shooting regression podcast now, it's not the level flight anymore. <laughs> but if you want to talk about shooting, shooting percentage regression, N- Morrissey gonna, is likely going to come down. Cal Carnes is likely gonna come up. He has been, I think. It was like 15% his whole career. I'd have to double check this. I just wrote it. But he's been around 15% his whole career. Last year, it dipped down to 11 or something. Again, for the past five seasons, he's been at 15% and it dipped down to 11. It's yeah. going to come back up. Like, it's going to be back at 15. And with Shifley, with Velarde, with top power play minutes, I can totally see him hitting 40 or or yeah. more this year. I, so I think I he
2: goes off for a nuts, like just absolutely insane point total. I'm just trying yeah. to look at it now because I'm trying to find shooting percentage. His, he's a career average 14.5. So, in his yeah. year that he put up 47 goals the year before, 14.8 mm-hmm. the year before, where he only played 56 games, 15.7, 15.9 in the games se- in the season in 1920 i don't know why it's bolded normally bolded on um hockey reference means that it's the most he's played but he played his most games last year uh 15.9 15 in 1819 and then in the cup run year in seven was that 1718 yeah uh 16.1 yeah. last year was 11.4 and he still put up 31 goals and still like put that's up coming points.
0: back up that's coming back up. He's he's oh. getting to 40 goals this year. I, well, what did he I, have I, through the first yeah. like 10, 15 games? He had like three he goals. He had like one or two. No, he had like one. Oh, it was goal a one or two, yeah. In the in and the first empty net. 13 games. Yeah, and it was an empty netter, right? In the in the very first game, I think, or one of the one of the early games. It was an empty netter. Yeah. So it was like Kyle Connor has not beat a goalie yet. And we were like thirteen games into the season. It was it was ridiculous, but yeah. He's that, that number is absolutely coming back up and he's going to, I think he's going to get to 40. I agree with yeah. you there.
2: I, I don't see how he doesn't. Like he still put up 80. But he had more assists last year. He had almost 50 assists. Yeah. Right. But that was also him assisting another 40 goal scorer on the line in Mark Shifley. Right. Yeah. So if you can have it where Shifley still puts up, let's say he stays and still puts up th- in around 30 goals and you have Kyle Connor who puts up, 40 something well then what does that do for um, gabe velardi's point totals right right? yeah Yeah. you could see his assist total could go way up he could just skyrocket maybe his goal total goes down a little bit because he's not an offensive focal point because he's got two other guys but his assist total might just absolutely skyrocket but either way i think that line will have another close to if not 40 goal scorer as long as if let's say kyle connor obviously it's on pace for that or Shifley stays right. So. Yeah.
0: Right. Let's, let's move on to the most improved player, the breakout pick. We might have the exact same one because I think it's pretty obvious, but my answer is Cole perfetti. Uh, if he gets that second line center role, we said all the things we said earlier about him and Ealers working well together, I think he's in for a huge season assist assist total wise. And just seeing his development at center is going to be something to monitor over the course of the year. But is yours Perfetti or do you have a different one?
2: So are we doing improved and breakout the same?
0: Yeah. Or the they different? Like okay. that, that's kind of so the same. So
2: yeah. I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Okay. I think Perfetti is the most improved player okay. on the roster. He was my most improved player last year. You know where I'm going with
0: this. I know where you're where I will going be on this, the yeah. train
2: until it dies. I will say that he looked so good last year in the last 10 games. He also got unlucky towards the end of the year. He should have had more yeah. goals and more points than he should have. I'm going a breakout season, especially if he plays on that third line. I say breakout season for Morgan Barron. I think he has a year. I I think he has a year where he puts up 40, 40, 45 points.
0: 45 points from Morgan Barron. That's
2: steamy. So let's, and and you know what? If that's a steamy take, then that's a steamy take. So let's go to He had
0: 21. He had eight goals, 13 assists, 21 points in 70 games. So you could probably add like five more to that. Or not, not even like three more to that. If he plays, uh, if he plays well, every, so game. If he
2: was playing four. Well, yeah, if he, to... he, like he's maybe a thirty-point guy, which is still actually pretty good for a guy who plays fourth line, like close yeah. to thirty points. But you look at his shooting percentage; it's at seven point one. You also have to factor in those last. I I know he's not a great finisher, but
3: there That's were some times
2: finish. where he should have finished finished a couple. And I'm hoping that that's what he worked on this offseason.
0: Yeah. The thing is, I like, also think that if he has a, might percentage might go out the window for guys that just struggle with finishing yeah. the net.
2: But so. I think that goes I, – I think he has an – he may have an outlier year this year. He is not – he is how old? He is 24. He has not had a, quote, unquote, outlier year yet in his career. Yeah. I know some guys don't but some guys do right. And he has shown that at the AHL level, he's shown it at the NHL yeah. level, him and Adam Lowry were generating chances galore. Yeah. Towards the end of the year and in the playoffs. Right. Okay. If you get that version of Morgan, if you realistically, if you get that version of Morgan Barron and have that over a 70 to 82 game pace, I don't see why 30 high thirties close to 40 points is out of the question. Cause yeah. there were a couple I mean, times where he should have finished and he missed. So I know Kyle Connor, I know we just talked about that with Kyle Connor and he's a different story because he's an elite goal scorer. Right. But we did talk about luck, right?
0: He might get Some guys, some guys lucky. might,
2: Some some at some point a player has to have, I know this is being a little bit superstitious, but at some point some guys have to have an outlier season, right? Yeah. And someone like Baron hasn't had an outlier season. I mean, if he turns into being Alex Ayafalo where he's just the same for his entire career, then that's great. Right. But most guys at some point, have to have any, at least an outlier or somewhat outlying season that didn't really make much sense. And then you go back and watch and go, oh, well,
0: you know, right? So yeah, well, if that, you look that, at that's my yeah. pick, OK, if you look at like traditional aging curves and when guys have those breakout outlier seasons, this would be the time for Baron, Um, because he's played a couple years now. He's 24. Uh, he's kind of in the middle of his prime. If you look at like I said, traditional aging curves, this is, this is it. So, um, I, I, I I love it. I love the bold takes. Um, I do, before we get Jacob in here, I do want to talk last about where this team sits at the trade deadline with Hellebuck and Shifley. And this is the take that I was going to say earlier, but I, I saved, I think the first 25 to 30 ish games are the season. If the Jets stumble out of the gate uh, and they do nothing to convince Scheifele and Hellebuck to stay, then those guys are going to not sign extensions, right? Obviously, they're going to want out. They're going to want to play for a winner. Uh, and the Jets are sixth, seventh in the Central, and they're like, "Well, screw this. I I don't want to waste um, the prime of my career on a team that's sixth in the Central or whatever." Um, I'm not saying they're going to be sixth in the Central, but yeah, just in the, if not.
2: They're,
0: yeah, if they're first in the Central. After 25 games they're first and they got a four point gap on second place in Colorado and Dallas. And it's like, well, they're in the mix. So, and then Shifley and Hellbuck might be like, you know what? It isn't so bad here in Winnipeg. Let's, let's sign an extension for another year, kick the can down the road or three, four years. I, I, I think the first 30 games is incredibly important. If you're trying to keep Shifley and Hellbuck around, because I think that's when their decision is going to be made. Now, At the trade deadline, I I think the Jets are going to be a top three team in the Central and they're going to be faced with this dilemma, especially if these players don't have extensions. But my take is that the first 30 games will decide uh, whether or not those guys are going to want to either just sign a one-year deal and like go through this entire situation next year or sign a, a long extension and stay with the Jets long term for their entire career, right? So yeah, I think... I think the first 30 games are key. Well, because they're not
2: going to sign the extension. And you, the Jets have sort of turned this around where they've been actually not too bad at asset management. Where if they're not going to be able to keep somebody, they've actually been on. You look at PLD. We thought he was just going to walk. They weren't going to tender. They weren't going to do anything. He was just going to walk, Right. Right, or he was just going to sit, and then they were going to get absolutely nothing for him. And they made that trade into a very good. They turned PLD into a very good trade. Not what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. I think the first, like you said, thirty games are key. And I don't think any either one of them sign an extension longer than a year. I mm-hmm. I, I I don't see that. Okay. I see I see until let's say. I don't know. Let's say a bunch of prospects break out like Lucius has a great year with the Moose and Brad Lambert has a good year with the Moose and a bunch of other guys start to break out Mm -hmm. in terms of the forward core. And maybe they bring in a maybe they make a trade for a defenseman, a younger defenseman or this or that, and they make a couple other moves. I don't think these guys will sign long term. If, if it's just this same roster every single year, these guys are going to say, Well, I'm just going to keep signing one years because at some point I'm going to need to be traded. And Shifley and Hellebuck are going to be on TSN's watch list for trades for the next couple years until that happens. Until it's okay, well, none of the prospects have blossomed like we hoped. And now we're left with just this roster. Yeah. And so then the guy, and then those two will say, You know what? Nope, that that's it for me. Right. Yeah. So this whole. Connor Halbach is going to sign like a three-year extension or a two-year. No, I think it's, if he's staying, it's, they're just going to keep signing one-year deals until they've, they've decided that they no longer, they really no longer want to be here. And whether that be performance or they see roster construction or they look at the prospects and go, Oh, Locious didn't hit Barlow didn't hit so-and-so like, right. And you start getting to the point where nobody's breaking out. Right. Mm -hmm. So
0: yeah, I, I, can, I, I can definitely.
2: I, stay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll see how we'll see how they are at the trade deadline. If they're in and around the top three, then I think those guys stay, and maybe at that point they sign extensions. Maybe they're still on the trade bait list, and then they sign the extensions, and then they're off. Right. But to me, I think that, in terms of, like, if they're sniffing the playoffs, personally for me, and I know I'm, I know I'm not a general manager, but. If it were me, if I'm only sniffing in and around the playoffs, like I'm fourth, fifth, or I don't really have a secure playoff spot, I'm offloading them immediately, even if they don't request yeah. a trade, because the last thing I need is to miss the playoffs. They say, "Nope, we're not staying," and then you get nothing for them, right? But if they're in the yeah. top, like you said, if they're in the top three, and they're or they're in fourth, and they're securely in fourth, and whoever's in fifth is like the rest of Central is what we ho- expect it to be to be bottom of the league and they're they're just fighting the other division for a pl- like for the other wild card spot then i think that then those guys might stay and they might sign a one-year extension just to see if maybe they add a piece at the deadline maybe they because we didn't even talk about this and we'll talk about this probably next week or when it gets close
0: to the season but this decor needs to be redone. yeah we'll see we'll see how that how that looks in training camp, what battles like th- there are so many battles on, on the defense core as well. And that's something I'm going to talk about with Jacob in a second here. Um, we should cut this part, get to Jacob. Um, I mean, we're going to hear, uh, th- I'll cut this. Hold on, we're going to get to Jacob in a second here. Uh, first, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors, DraftKings. Um, uh, Brian is not here, but he's still gracious enough to send the ad so he's you're gonna hear brian for a bit and then we're gonna come back with jacob's dollar from the hockey news so stay tuned
3: we're back with another week of football and DraftKings sportsbook is keeping us in on the nfl action with great offers every single game day new customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away with an instant winner And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY or 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 seven or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, CD dkng.co football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources uh, are there for your availability uh, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply
0: and welcome back into episode 46 of the level flight podcast i have a very special guest joining me Jacob Stoller of the Hockey News and Yahoo Sports. He let me know beforehand, not to forget Yahoo, new gig. Um, Jacob, just say a little bit about yourself. You've been on the podcast before, but for new listeners.
1: Yeah, clearly I scared away Brian and Elliot. Uh, I didn't <laughs> realize I was I was that harsh last time. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a born-raised Winnipegger who was in Toronto the last couple of years, back in Winnipeg uh, for now. I covered the NHL for the Hockey News um, and Yahoo. And then I also... Um, you know, write about some AHL stuff uh, for the hockey news and in the magazine. Uh, I host an AHL podcast, East AHL podcast, American Pipeline podcast, a lot of podcasts (laughs) these days, as you can tell. Um, But yeah, super psyched to uh, talk Jets with you, man.
0: Yeah, everyone's got to follow Jacob on Twitter. He's got his handle if you're on YouTube right there so that you can keep up with all those podcasts, right? You also forgot to mention that, uh, with all those accomplishments you also have a sick jersey background i do uh yeah. they're <laughs> like, actually like all I've... they're all from china um oh really a lot of them the, the oilers taylor hall
1: or the Oilers, taylor hall and then the yeah. crosby one are my favorites and my uncle was doing work in in china and he just kind of saw these on the street for like five bucks and uh sick. so those are sweet yeah and then um my my girlfriend's uh, brother-in-law gave me the pat falloon jersey here uh wow. yeah it's been it's been uh it's been pretty awesome i gotta say
0: that is pretty awesome i mean five bucks for a i mean yeah. it's got the c on it it's got the patch on it sick. like i know that's I legit it. yeah it's legit. that is legit all right let's get into some jets uh um, sure, we we previewed training camp last week but we wanted to bring someone on for you know a different perspective on all the for sure. storylines following this team i think personally the biggest storyline is the second line center Mm-hmm. um the totally. groupings the groupings would suggest that Cole Perfetti is the guy that's going to get the first look where do you kind of lean like where would your personal preference be in terms of Perfetti versus Velarde versus Nemesnikov yeah, yeah and do you think Perfetti's the best setup for success this season in that role
1: yeah like I think that originally I kind of thought okay long term you know I think that they'd like to have Perfetti as a center I think the mm-hmm. questions with him are obviously the skating, durability, and you know, his hockey sense and passing is elite as it is right now. But those yeah. other those other factors obviously come into play. But long term, I think they'd like to have him as a center, so um, it makes sense. I kind of thought that maybe Vlardy would start as center, but just out of the fact that he's played a bit, but I think Vlardy's probably a better winger, and and, and I, I think that that's kind of a, a testament to this. Then again, he could become the center, uh, a center. At points this year let alone maybe next year if if mark shifley isn't back so that option is still there um i think it's going to be really interesting to see how training progresses in that regard and i think there's a couple people i like to see Profetti play with to get a, a read of, mm-hmm. of how it could be because something that i've kind of learned from talking to people over the years is and the, you know i played hockey growing up but not at a high level i played like a3 um if people so which people in that would know like i was brutal <laughs> um, but what I've learned from people on the game is like, you know, a center, there could be warts in their defensive game, but if you have a certain winger that is, can really support them defensively, it can make a huge difference. And I think that Alex Fallo is, could be that guy for Perfetti. I think AI is a criminally underrated, uh, player when looking at the Jets depth chart, because I think that a lot of the projections have had Nino in the top six. And I think I have follow actually could be in that top six to support a Perfetti. So and I'm sure we'll get into that. But in short, I think Perfetti probably makes a lot of sense to try. That's where they want him to be long term. So right. that probably makes the most sense in that regard.
0: Yeah, I wrote a bunch to to your earlier point. I wrote a bunch this summer about how Velarde was the safer bet, yeah, to be center because he's six three, two hundred fifteen pounds. He's played center before at the NHL mm-hmm. level. All of those things, Perfetti is not. He's smaller. He hasn't played sure. center at the NHL level yet. Um, but I agree with you. I think he's the high upside swing. The The long-term outlook is I think they want Perfetti to be a center.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And now's the time. I mean, there's yeah, a huge yeah. hole at, at second-line center. So now's the time to try him out. Um, and can do line, it. You move him. Yeah, exactly. And you yeah. put Velarde there. Yeah. Totally. It's, it's Or Domestikov, as you said, for sure. Exactly. And speaking of Domestikov, yeah. fourth-line center is also a pretty big question mark. I mean, there's Kapari. There's David Gustafson. There's... Uh, in Nemesikov, if they want to, you know, yeah. be deep down the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a, a smaller storyline, but sticking with the centers, where do sure. you see the fourth-line center battle? It's a great question. There's a lot of
1: unknowns. Um curious yeah. to know what you think, too, but in my opinion... Okay, so it depends on a couple of things. Um, history would tell us that not even just Maurice, but Bones, too, like the fourth line... The fourth line is going to be the fourth line, right? And that's mm-hmm. not even just, I think with the Jets, aside from the Kraken, most teams' fourth line is a very clear fourth line. So by Mm -hmm. that token, I think that Nemesnikov, at least what he showed, is too valuable to be relegated to that role. And I think that he could fit like a glove alongside Adam Lowry. And I think, you know, Barron played great with him. It could be a rotation of those two. I don't know. Um, But I would say that perhaps, like, it very well could happen, but I'm interested to see how David Gustafson does this year. I think Mm -hmm. that stylistically he fits every mold you want in a fourth line center last year was, was a really, really tough and and strange year from him. Um, I think that, you know, there's always been concerns about his his ability to play with pace and his foot speed and stuff, but I don't know. I just expected more from him. I thought I remembered the first game against New York when uh, Gagne scored that goal. Uh, It was a game winner, right? It was a big goal, wasn't it?
0: Against the Rangers? Rangers.
1: Yeah. yeah. It big... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that line that night, I remember Gus was in looked good. Um, yeah. Things didn't go that way as the year progressed. He wasn't a regular. So you got to take that to account. But I think he would fit more what you'd want in the fourth line center than a Kupari. He's an unknown, though. Rasmus yeah. Kupari. I think that, um, you know, you hope that a former first round pick can maybe revitalize their game or whatnot and be in. Top man role, I think it's a bit ambitious given the jet the options the Jets have and just kind of how Kupari's career is you know unfolded to this date. But I think that Gustafson will be given a lot of looks there down the middle. Um, you know, if you have a fourth line, if you, you know, I think optimally I would agree with maybe Nemesco going your fourth line and then evening out Mm -hmm. the lines. But I think when you're looking at the personnel, the third line is going to have Adam Lowry. And then one yeah. of mm-hmm. I follow or Nino, right? Everyone right. thinks it's going to be I follow could be, but I, I think people, it could be Nino. Okay. Right. So if that's the case, those guys are going to get big minutes. So that third line can be kind of relied on as a quote unquote, shutdown line or whatever. I think Mestikov can fill that gap really well and maybe even gives mm-hmm. them offensive upside. So um, that's why I think he'll be there. And the fourth line center is kind of ruled out for him. Yeah. But um yeah, I, I think optimally it'd be nice to have him as a fourth line center to have four even lines, but it's not realistic.
0: Yeah, I I think going to Mesikov as four C is like the right idea. And when the Jets are winning games when they're up two nothing in the Rick bonus system, they want to keep it two one, two nothing, right? Hmm. I think when they're up two nothing, optimally, like you said, they're running four lines, and the Mesikov sure. is just an extension of the third line uh being another shutdown role. Uh, yeah. And I I think Bones is really set on Lowry and Appleton playing together on that third line. They've done it last year the whole time. It didn't really work at like analytically, it didn't really work, but he still rolled with it. I think he's gonna roll with it again. I think it'll be Nino, Lowry, Appleton, and then the fourth line will be, I guess, Bear and Nemesikov, and maybe Kapari will slide to the wing or Nemesikov will be on the wing because he can and that's fine. Like like if
1: that's if that's the case, like that's fine. Um yeah, that's interesting. I think you make a good point there.
0: Yeah, and then when when the Jets are losing, obviously the the fourth lines minutes are going to be cut, uh, and you're going to roll the top six trying to get back into the game. But the way the Jets want to play, and the Rick, the way Rick Bonus has genuine, genu- generally played in yeah. his in the past is rolling four lines and having shut yeah. down bottom six.
1: Right. Well, it's like optimally, it's like imagine if you had a fourth line of Lowry, Baron, Appleton. And then your third line of Nemestikov, Nino, and right another player like that's right. maybe that's see that's a conversation hard. I'm
0: here for yeah like, because see, that, that's
1: that's a yeah. bit of a forward approach um right. but I think realistically Lowry's a three C and I want to make it clear I, I'm a big fan of Adam Lowry's game I think there's a mm-hmm. lot of of un sorry like um how do I say this. Kind of unfounded criticism in his game, and I think that, like, I listen. I'm a big analytic junkie. I know you like the numbers too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I make AHL player cards for God's sake. It's like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm big on the numbers, but you gotta yeah. really evaluate the full body of work. And Adam Lowry's a great third line center, so I just want to make that clear in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people bring up the the long goal drought last year. The 40 or 32, I, I forget what the number was, but he went he went without a goal for 30 plus games. Yeah, yeah. Sure, and that's that is concerning from a third line center right but at the same time he's being asked to just play defense and shut it down yeah uh, and let his top six do all the scoring and when he went on that 30 goal drought um i don't like for the first 15 games they just were at the top of the west and so who cared like, yeah but yeah it, it didn't really matter and for then sure. they started to slide and people were like whoa where's adam lowry mm-hmm. but I like in terms of the captaincy, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but his on ice uh, production, I agree. Maybe forward thinking he's the 4C over yeah. uh, instead of Nemesikov. But I think you're kind of splitting hairs at that point. For sure. For um, sure. But yeah, the center position is definitely something to monitor going into training camp because the Jets are kind of weak there. You can make the argument that if Perfetti doesn't pan out, maybe I guess Velarde can fill in. But But even then, you never know. You never to really know, degree. right? Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Outside of the Ford core, I, I think the biggest storyline on the back end is the, the log jam. The, the pairings are pretty set in stone that, you know, mm-hmm. who your, their, the, their top six is going to be. But are we nearing another Jonathan Kovacevic situation with Logan Stanley, Declan Chisholm? I guess Capabianco could be the odd man out. And that's not really like a, a drafted yeah. and developed prospect per se. He's still younger. He's twenty five, I believe. But if he looks great, if he looks better than Declan Chisholm in camp, and they put him on waivers, it's a lock that Chisholm is getting claimed. Is because it because I think so? He was an AHL All Star last year. Here's my counter argument to that. I don't know. I mean, am I, I railroading? Am I railroading this segment
1: by diving? Into no, 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 no. This is yeah. this is the this is All the right, segment. Fair. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Here's my take about it. When Kova hit waivers. There was two yeah. things that people need to understand. For starters, the three-year contract, they tried to, to void or block people from claiming him. Didn't work right. out. Okay. It didn't work out because I think that a lot of teams around the league believed, okay, if we take him, he doesn't pan out. All mm-hmm. the, the scouting reports and background checks of kova severage Klein, he could be an AHL captain for us. A pricey right. one, sure. But um, that's a contingency plan. Something I the Montreal Canadiens with a lot of money and you know infinite budget for that kind of stuff Are fine with. Right. But also with Savage, his skill set as a right-hand defenseman, defensive-oriented who can kill penalties, is much more rare and coveted than what you'll find Declan Chisholm. Now, let me say Mm -hmm. this. Declan Chisholm is is a very smart player. I love his toolkit. Two years ago when he played that 10 games with Jets, he was great. But Mm -hmm. I think what people forget is a lot of Declan Chisholms hit the waiver wire. And a lot of teams, when they're looking at the waiver wire, Mm -hmm. might think that they have a Declan Chisholm that's better. Could a team be wise to take him? Sure. But look at the blue lines across the league. Like maybe Chicago takes a swing, maybe. Um, but yeah. who kn- we also don't know, like Jack Rathbone in Vancouver, he could hit the waiver wire. And I think that a lot of teams would rather have Jack Rathbone than Declan Chisholm. And there's yeah. other guys like that. So I-, I don't think it's a lock, especially when they send him mm. down. If they could do it in the second period, like when they got Mikey through the first time, EC Right. right? Teams did li- like him that first time, but there were so many guys hitting the wire. Then it was too early in camp. The GMs weren't going to pull the trigger on it because GMs and teams not overvalue, but they they really do value the players that they've brought in originally. Right. It's got to take a, a player that not, not like uh, the scouts can really like a guy, but the director of pro scouting then has related to the GM, who then makes his final call, and he's dealing with so many different factors. So mm-hmm. I I will argue I don't think it's a lock. Wouldn't it be
0: surprised if okay. it happened. But I don't think it's right. a lock. I, that that's a good point. I've never thought of it like that, that there are all these other players like Declan Chisholm that are also hitting the wire. I just think four to three points in 59 AHL games, AHL all-star still 23 years old. I think a team, if I, if I was managing the Chicago Blackhawks or San Jose sharks, I would take a swing on a guy that uh, has shown at every step in the AHL that he can be an offensive force. The right? sharks could take a swing for sure. The sharks. And then Chosen Reunion. Yeah, there you go. And if like if it doesn't pan out, it's a one year deal for Chisholm. Oh, I hear, you. I hear just, you. like, yeah. Yeah. I it's definitely a risk and it's it's oh, gonna be so, interesting to monitor. Yeah. So yeah, sorry, to
1: answer the second part of what you said mm-hmm. in terms of how they navigate it with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not a lock, but still the question is could there be a repeat? Like very well. Like I don't think it's a yeah. lock, but I want to reiterate it could happen and there is that risk. Um right. Do they keep? Do they keep Chisholm as a seventh defenseman? It's like okay, well, they didn't keep Kovacevic, who I think would have been the perfect seventh defenseman. I think he would have been fine in that role. Um, right. Chisholm, I don't know. Like, who are you benefiting from doing that? Whereas Kappa Bianco is a seasoned seventh defenseman. I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, so I think that you're right. The pairings are kind of set in stone at this rate, barring injury.
0: Villy's probably back down with the Moose. Yeah, um, I think. I think. Insane. I think that's a lock. That Villy's back down, even I if he has agree. a great camp, I'd he's agree. just a wa- he's a waivers casualty. Hundred percent.
1: Like I think yeah. I don't see a situation where no. he can
0: even beat anyone. So Bar- barring injury, yeah. he's back down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is going to be interesting to monitor as well. Because... Yeah, the Villy
1: thing is interesting because it's like, yeah. you know, last November I wrote the story about how his camp yes. was very um, unhappy with the NHL opportunity. We're now a year later from that. And in total, like this is like the third year of going on the same situation. Um, yeah. Even last year, I can understand it. Like from the jets perspective. Now I still can understand it just because of the log jam. They've self-created. We have a discussion about they shouldn't have got themselves in the spot. That's another day, but right. like given where they're at, I get that's what they're going to do.
0: Right.
1: But yeah, it's, um, I think strictly from an asset management standpoint, it's disappointing for the jets in the sense of, you know, of course hindsight's hindsight is 2020, but you almost would wish they would have dealt him when his value was at the highest. Um, right. but
0: you could say that about anyone. So. Right. There's, this is his going into his fourth year in the AHL he, in the COVID year. He played 19 games. Yeah. The year, the year after that 41 last year, 48, he played 10 NHL games last year, uh, looked okay in them. Villy, every time he gets called up, looks kind of slow for the first few games and then settles in and really looks great for the remainder. But the Mm -hmm. thing is, he's never gotten an extended stretch to really grow in the NHL. That's, that's the whole thing. His camp has was a bit was upset about, right? He hasn't gotten a a shot in the NHL. He hasn't gotten a long look. Um, It's just so so tough
1: because I feel like
0: there's always, and Paul Maurice started
1: or put this out there publicly, but I think it's, true this whole idea of you can only have like two six foot and under defensemen so Pionk and Morrissey and there's no more room for others is kind of weird only because I just think that like Villy look the 10 games he played last year or whatever it was he wasn't great for a lot of it but mm-hmm. let's also remember he hasn't had as much Alicia Stan or even like Vestalainen as a forward as a first-round pick so it's hard to it's hard to blame him granted let me disclaim, of course you have to, the NHL, you gotta, you gotta perform. So I get that, right. but the whole idea is just so strange because, you know, it's easier said than done, but if you find a way to move Nate Schmidt and then you have Dylan and Sandberg as your sandpaper per se that are physical, but also can move the puck um, and aren't dead weight out there. Mm-hmm. How can you not find a role for Billy? Like how can't, like how, yeah. so that's the real question about this, but whether they can't, offload Schmidt or they won't, whatever it may be, this is the situation they're in, and the options yeah. are
0: very limited, frankly. Maybe maybe yeah. a trade ship at the deadline. I don't know. Maybe. And I wrote a a couple weeks ago that if you can offload Schmidt and get eighty percent of what that Sandberg Schmidt pairing did last year in Hanela and Samberg hanela or Samberg Chisholm. Sure. That's like from an asset management cap space management, that is a that is a win because yeah. Sandberg and Schmidt last year had they- like NHL 61%. coaches don't like
1: risk. That's the thing.
0: Exactly. Samberg and Schmidt last year had like a sixty over sixty percent expected goals rate. Yeah. Their Corsi was nuts. Like they they were they killed it in the third pairing. Mm-hmm. And if you can get fifty five percent out of Samberg and Hanela and save six million dollars on the cap, that's it's easier said than done. I'll say that because offloading six million dollars in this NHL economy seems like a, an issue. Seems Absolutely. Like. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, let's move off of the the logjam. We already talked about Villy as kind of a young player that, I mean, I guess we're kind of keeping an eye on, even though there isn't really a defined role for him in the NHL. Mm-hmm. What other players at Jets camp are you interested to to keep an eye on for the these next two weeks? I'm definitely looking forward to seeing
1: Brad Lambert. Um, I think, I don't think he played great at Penticton. Uh, but mm-hmm. I want to say I don't put stock at all in those rookie games. I, I get it maybe from a uh, team standpoint and players mm-hmm. and whatever that it's beneficial, but I, I'm, I'm not valuing that very much. Actually, let me say, I, I'm excited to see Lambert and Lucius. So yeah. last year, you know, as we both saw with the moose, both came in, had different sort of like both had flashes of greatness. They both went to juniors after um, mm-hmm. Lambeau had a great run. Uh, Lucius got injured again unfortunately and his yeah. season was derailed again so now they're coming in a year older uh, presumably bigger faster stronger you'd hope so and what I'm interested to see is okay how, how do they size up against the regulars this year how do they look in tra- annual training camp as players that maybe make some noise right mm-hmm. like h- how are they going to compare cuz that's a big part of training camp in the first week you see how the colby barlows the lambert solutions the are comparing against mark shyley in one on one drills how they're playing against or playing with a Nikolai Ehlers, whatever it may be so right. i'm interested to see that i think brad lambert is the true question mark because is he a number like is he an elite prospect or is he just a high mm-hmm. a high upside um Great skill package player that continues to not be able to figure it out. That's what we're going to find out. Um, mm-hmm. There could be bumps in the road in the early part of his AHL tenure. We need to, people need to, to realize that. But I think for Brad, he gained a lot at the Thunderbirds uh, during the run, and he right. got to play hockey as a, an impact player for the first time in a long time. So yeah. you're hoping that gives him a pep in the step. Lucius, um, I don't know if he's a question mark. I just I, I got a. I'm curious. We don't know much about him either. Yeah. Um. I think he he's got this like I, I'm curious to see what I like about Luchas. He has his courage to go to the net. Like, He's not like a big imposing guy, but he'll get into the inner slot. He'll create chances. And he has that sort of net. He's got that goal scorers touch, which is very mm-hmm. interesting. Um. Right. I'm interested to see how he does in preseason games. And if, if he can actually make an impact in those contests.
0: Yeah. And the Lambert bumps in the road that you're talking about last year in the HL, It was very bumpy for him. He had, like you said, the flashes, but him playing in structure, playing on a team where he's not the focal point offensively, we haven't seen it yet. I think sending him to the WHL and having him just dominate and get his confidence back was the best thing they could have done for his development, and I think it's going to pay off. So if he comes into training camp with that swagger, with that confidence, he could make some wild plays, and the fans Mm -hmm. will be tweeting it out. Sending videos, all this stuff, right? He'll he'll make some real noise. Um if he's able to make those those splash plays in training camp. And then Lucius, I mean, he was recovering from a shoulder injury for about 90% of the of the uh off season, right? And is he even healthy? I don't even know. Um, we'll see. The next storyline I want to talk about is, you know, we talked about Adam Lowry earlier as mm-hmm. his on-ice uh effect on the team, but off the ice, he was just named the captain of the franchise. How do you think that changes kind of like the dynamic heading into training camp? The the vibes between Rick Bonus, the players, the captaincy, all that stuff. Do you think it changes much or is it same old same old? I think that Adam Lowry has the characteristics to really make a big or or make a
1: big contribution to a culture change. Uh, it's no secret that, and even Larry Lee said it, you know, with Wheeler's see off the chest last year, he was still looked at as the captain. Now it's the new regime. It's Larry, Morrissey, and these kind of guys leading the pack. Um, it's going to come down to how much can Larry get this group to buy in, right? How yeah. much can, and you know, your first year as a captain, there's some parts of it that I'm sure are tough in some ways, but Larry's been here for a long time. He knows the intricacies of the locker room. He knows um, the challenges, the strengths, all, all, everything that kind of goes in within there. So I think yeah. he's a great candidate to do it. I think it's also good for the team to have him being the one, you know, answering after games and whatnot. No need to put that pressure on Morrissey. Keep his momentum going. Let him focus on uh, the game and whatnot. Larry is, by all accounts, the perfect guy to to do that role, and I think it's going to be great. I don't yeah. I don't know if I can give a great answer in terms of, can he make a big culture like will it change your status quo that's gonna depend on the buy-in from players and I think we'll it's a conversation for April right it's like okay how was Adam Lowry's first year as captain and I'm interested and well it's a big storyline throughout the year but I think that Lowry's extremely respected by his teammates he is beloved by everybody in the organization I can tell you from top to bottom and I really mean that yeah. I think that sort of like when Andrew Ladd was here he had that similar um pull I would say from a yeah. lot of people um Blake Wheeler did at parts of his tenure as well um yeah. though towards the end it, it got a bit different so I think Lowry's definitely capable of doing it it'll be interesting to see though if it happens and keep in mind it's not even just on Lowry to make that happen right we could yeah. see there's other factors other people other personalities and um that could affect that
0: yeah I I 100% agree especially the thing you said about how everyone respects him I think this was an absolute slam dunk pick for the captaincy. Mm-hmm. You could argue Josh Morrissey. I sure. made some arguments for Josh Morrissey, younger, longer contract. Sure. Uh, he was the on ice leader. You could argue at times last year, but you you couldn't really go wrong with either of these guys. And Lowry, can he get, we're, we're going to talk about it in a second here. Shifley who's on a, his contract is expiring. Hellbuck contract expiring. Uh, Brendan Dillon, Dylan DeMello, Nino Niederreiter. All these guys have expiring contracts, so that buy-in yeah. and the successes that t- this team has in the first thirty games is going to be huge. Um, and that—that that is him as a captain. He's got to get that team to buy in, like you said. Let's talk about Shively and Hellebuck. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't—I re- haven't got your thoughts on the whole situation, um, the whole offseason. Now that we are heading into training camp. There are members of the team. Shevel Dayoff said he's comfortable going deep into the season with them on their team, even if they don't have an extension. Um, Where do you kind of sit with this Shifley-Hallebuck situation, and how how do you think it plays out? There's nothing wrong with Chevy doing this because the
1: offers he received were suboptimal. So Mm -hmm. do people want him to trade these two pillars for pennies on the dollar as opposed to having one more year of them? as part of it, like, no, like the the NHL is a business, you know, for a long time, everyone was so drafted and developed. There was so impatient in this market about that. And then we started winning and obviously things have gone sideways a bit, but you know, a rebuild isn't easy. A rebuild is is a hard for business sell. And I think that if you're going to do it, you gotta do it properly. So if someone comes in with a big offer for Shifley and Hallibuck, Chevy will look hard at it. Right. Mm -hmm. But timing's big. Right. So um, how do you get plays out? this is a cliche answer and i'm sorry but it's the <laughs> truth it depends how the first 25 games go
0: first... i just said that i actually really? just said that like 20 minutes ago with Elliot. 25 minutes yeah, yeah i no i said games? i or... said yeah yeah i said it will be defined in the first 25 games if the on. jets get off to a hot start yeah what is, look at that great that minds think alike look at that
1: um, <laughs> so yeah like i think that's exactly an interesting benchmark then if they're on the outside looking in or things implode or whatever, then you'll start hearing the chatter pick up. Then you'll start to hear, and that's when the marketing will really be set because yeah. there's two things. Both their contracts are very digestible, especially at towards December, January where their daily cap yeah. hits lower. Like those are very easy contracts to squeeze in. So there could be some, some interesting assets there. I think the first 25 games too, they got to play LB more. Like, if you're going to deal him, um, I guess, in theory, if you're dealing Hellebuck, you're kind of punting on the year. So I guess it doesn't really matter that much. But still, even for Hellebuck, I think they've been playing him too much. I know he wants to play every night. but So that's interesting. Um, uh, Shifley's got a lot to prove this year. And I think that is uh, something I'm assuming he's well aware of. He's dialed into this. And he Mm -hmm. needs to prove to 31 NHL teams that he's – able to be an impact player every night and that he you know gives a crap in the D zone I think those things are important if you if you think the Boston Bruins are going to go acquire Mark Sheffley to, to replace Bergeron or Krejci you're <laughs> bonkers because yeah. the Boston Bruins are huge on buy-in from every way and Mark Sheffley a lot of times hasn't showed that so I think that's important to keep in mind with the whole picture Um, and the fate is really in those two players ha- like hands the sense of like okay you know they're saying they're this year they're going to play it out and figure it out. Sorry, the fate's on their hands. Sorry, Chevy's hands, but it's going to be dictated by how the team performs. And there's no yeah. other way about that, especially with where we're at right now. If you got an offer that was digestible and acceptable, you have done it. But I also think, I think a lot of us can agree, they should have done it at the end of 21 22. That's when they should have hit the reset. I think they should have moved Wheeler than two, mm. brought bones in. I think there would have been a lot, a much different narrative around this team if they had done
0: it a year prior yeah yeah I agree they're they're a little late to this because now they found themselves in the situation where, if for the first twenty five games, what if they're the best team in the west they They were sure. the best team in the west deep into December and January last year mm-hmm. um and they they were better than Vegas, Colorado, every single team in the west that ended up going deep um Seattle they were better like i i I don't see a scenario where they are this year. I mean, they mm-hmm. totally. They totally could get off to a hot start. And then I said earlier um, with Elliot on here that maybe if they're the top team in the West after 30 games, Schaefer and Hellebuck sign one year extensions and just kick the can down the road say, okay, this team can be good this year. I'll play the rest of this year with this team and give this team some flexibility that I'll play the rest of the year um, and not leave them in UFA so I don't get traded. Mm-hmm. And then next offseason, we'll do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Chevy would go for that because then the offers would be presumably even worse mm-hmm. next off season yes. for an older Connor Hellbuck, older Mark with Schreifer. a higher cap hit too, a higher cap hit. Yeah. You're older. Um, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. So trade deadline. Um, and after the first 30 games, we'll know a lot more. For sure. If the, Jets, if the Jets struggle, I think, yeah, you, you can, they're good. As gone. Yeah. Um, but it gets a lot more interesting if they, if well, they're the guess- top team in the West.
1: For sure. And it's funny because you can't really predict it now because of what we just said, like Perfetti could thrive in the second line, like right. the second, the 2C slot, but he could also struggle immensely. And this, you could say that for anything, but the point is a lot of the Jets key roles are huge question marks. Yeah, And I think even, you know what, I'll, I'll say it. It's even also a question mark. Like, can Josh Morris continue
0: at this level? I swear so you, mean, you listened You listened to the earlier part of our podcast. I wasn't on it. What do you mean? You guys <laughs> wasn't alive. No, but I, I said the exact same thing. Anyways, go ahead. This is why you brought me on, to reinforce your <laughs> yeah. ideas. When Elliot exactly. and Brian are here. But like, yeah.
1: can he – it doesn't have to even be points. Can he be a number one again? Like That's also important. Will Neil yeah. Pionk rebound? There's so many questions that will will define this season for the Jets. And once those questions are answered, or as they are, then you'll get a better idea of where Shifley Hellbuck fight into the equation this year and beyond.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I brought up the shooting regression that's bound to happen for Morrissey. Um, he, he's at 37 is his career high before this year, and he's exposed for 76 points. Now, I don't think he's going to go back to 37, but 55, 60, I think is a little bit more um, uh, realistic. I I appreciate you doing this, Jacob. We are we're out of time. We've got through all of our questions. This was fantastic. Uh, Unreal. Man. Let, let, yeah. Plug yourself again. Um, tell people where you are, where they can find you. Find me on Twitter at
1: JL Staller, and uh, yeah, you can find me all over the Hockey News, Yahoo, and um,
0: yeah, that's kind of where where I am. Ready for a big season, big season, big man. Season. Unreal. Yeah. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm sure we'll have you back on sometime. Any in the time, to bro. Re- revisit these takes. Maybe after 30 games, 25 games. I 25. want to be 25. before 26 games. Get. <laughs> okay. I'll put it in the schedule right now. Perfect. Unreal. All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Jacob.
3: You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.